Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I uh, look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Hello everyone, welcome to episode number seven, season two, episode seven of the C Word podcast. I am Luke, I'm here with my brother Lee. How you going mate? I've been pretty good. I know we hadn't caught up on here for quite a while for those who have been following along, so apologies for that. However, it has been uh, a little bit of a, a wild ride. I was just looking, the last episode we dropped was on the 27th of April, we are now on the 16th of June, and there's quite a bit that's happened between now mm -hmm. and then. I think the last time we caught up, we were talking through the outcomes from your MRI and yep. then kind of some plans of, well, what does that mean? Where do we go? What's coming up from there? Talk around how immunotherapy had finished and then you're looking at the clinical trial piece, but we kind of didn't have anything more on, on the clinical trial. Yeah. So um, talk to us. Okay. Let's maybe do a little backtrack as we do and move right through and it's good because i i also you know just for context for anyone listening along i also haven't had an opportunity to catch up with lee that much recently i've moved countries so we are doing this you know from different countries at this point so there's this is a great opportunity for me to even kind of check in and so see where things are obviously i know what's going on but yeah check in and yeah. catch up yeah so hopefully the conversation just doesn't roll on about you and i and, and what we want to talk about <laughs> we'll do that after the fact yeah. um yeah look since my last uh, scan and obviously there was some growth there and um, immunotherapy was stopped and we were looking at um, the next option which is um, the clinical trial which is it's only a few years old um, the clinical trial there's only been 24 people that have gone through that procedure and there's been some some really good results and then there's been some not very good results I don't know the, the numbers behind those results like the ages the condition of the individual that sort of stuff that but I do know that my oncologist, who I trust enormously, has been keen for me to get onto this process for quite a while because most of the treatments that you're generally on in hospital for brain cancer are, you know, they're 30 years old, they're 40 years old without change. Mm. Um, so some of the clinical trials that are coming through now are, are probably, I feel like they're probably the areas that you want to be in if you if you really want to have a, a, a crack at it and... And, and try and make a, some difference and a change in that space. So gone through all of the testing for that, which has been interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so what was the testing? What did it look like? Uh, it's just a lot of sit down questions, blood pressure, bloods, height, weight, just all the basic stuff. But then you've got to go through because it's a clinical trial and it is not, and I have to be really careful with what I, how I word this, I suppose. It's a clinical trial. So it's not a medicine that is just readily available to hospitals mm. for anyone. This mm -hmm. is a clinical trial. So you have to go through a lot of disclaimers, I suppose. And that was an interesting process because you're going through that, you think, oh, hang on, what am I signing on for here? <laughs> this is like, am I going to come out with the third ear? You know, I'm like, 
is my head going to shrink? Like <laughs> what's going to happen? But again, I come back to my oncologist and my trust in him. He's the expert in this space and he's been really keen to get me in this area. So going through that process, I was like, do you know what? I trust him and that's all I can do. I trust him and he's wanted me down this path and it's not a path that everybody gets accepted into. Quite often you get to the end of that clinical trial to, uh, to your immunotherapy or whatever other treatment it is and just get told that that's it mm. in terms of treatment. There's nothing more we can do. Yeah, because that's a positive outcome, right? Like the, the reality was we got to the end of the immuno, immunotherapy and you now have this option to be able to go into the clinical trial piece, yeah, which is awesome. It, it gives a little further hope of, okay, well, maybe there's another option that we can kind of, another pathway we can go down. Yeah, and no, look, there always is, I think. There always is until there isn't, but there is still mm. at mm. the moment. What was running through your head then with all the disclaimers? Like just to, to pause on that for a minute, because I do think about this and like you, you know how people do like their medical trials and stuff and I you know, recall stories from people that we know who'd done it and they were having a laugh going, geez, I was signing something where it said the side effect was death. And they're like, that's not really a side effect at this point. You know, like <laughs> that's just, that's, that's an effect. It's not that that's funny, but it's just the irony of it. I know, I guess for you, what's going through your mind, because other people would be experiencing that too. What's going through your mind when you're sitting there and you're going, reading all of this stuff and, and considering what you're about to kind of take on? I'm not the expert in this space. I kind of, I don't delve too deep into the information that is provided. I know it's part of a process. I know they have to cover their backsides in a million different areas. And you can either look at that and be overwhelmed and go, why is this not all, um, you know, sound like a beautiful book? And why does it sound like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the morning of someone? But that's the reality of it, that um, when you're going through something like this, they have to give you, I guess, the heads up of, you know, what can occur. They're also really good though. You get to a point and you're going, I don't trust the process. It's, it's, you're not locked into it. You can always step out of it. But again, I just come back to that trust that I have in my, oncologi on my oncologist and that's what sort of pushes me through that when I'm sitting there maybe hesitating for a second and going, hang on, they've just read a particular line out to me that's pretty full on. What do I think about that? I just have to reference back to, to again, my oncologist and go, I've trusted him in, in him so far and I still do. So if he's got belief in this process and he's the expert, I've got belief in myself. So are those two marry up, let's move on with it. So it that's might good. sound very yeah. simplistic, but that's how no, I look no. at it. Well, so I think what it tells me is that, you know, trust is obviously a super important part of the process, right? So trust, in, to your point, trust in self, trust in the person who's guiding you through it. And if you've got that and you can't kind of validate more information more than that, then it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to go with that then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so sorry, keep going. Yeah, so you've you've gone in, you've signed up, you're you're going through all the the tests for these. Yeah, and then those tests, obviously, you know, and this is a worldwide study. You know, studies cost an enormous, enormous amount of money. You're talking, you know, pretty reasonable staffing numbers for small numbers of treatment, and this is across the globe. So it costs a lot of money for organisations to go through clinical trials. So you, you almost go through a selection process where they look at all of your information. And then they determine whether or not you're going to be accepted. It's kind of like, am I going to am I going to be accepted into college? Am I going to like is this is really <laughs> important? I need it. So you go through that process, and once that's done, they then allocate you a, a date that you start. The initial start point, which for me at the moment is Monday, unless things change. The first day is a whole day in hospital. That's purely for them to monitor, um, to have a look at how you respond to the drug initially, heart rate, blood pressure, all of those types of things mm -hmm. um and, and what are the drugs back. what are the drugs that you're taking like what are they putting you on 
it's effectively like two types of chemo, I suppose. Okay. So there's a, like two there's oral a, drugs. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So um, it's just it's a different dosage. It's more consistent, and it's some of the chemo that I've used before, and then it's a particular type of chemo that they use for um, for breast cancer. Okay. So um, it's just a combination of those and, and then a different form of treatment. So um, in terms of the amount that you get and how often you get, that's as much as I know about it in terms of mm-hmm. how it all works. Again, pretty simplistic. <laughs> that's all right. It's, it's as much information as you need right now. That's all I need yeah. to know. And for me, that's all I need. Again, trust the individuals that do their jobs. And if you're not sure, then question it. And I'm lucky enough, I've got my wife in that space, Laura. Yeah, I was going to say Laura would be across the whole thing anyway. So oh, she goes over, she goes over everything with a fine-tooth comb. So yeah. she goes over everything. But ultimately, and it's really good, ultimately she always comes back to me and she's like, it's not about what I think, it's more important about what you think. Hmm. Which is nice because I think you know people can quite often get into this space and then be pushed by people. Yeah, fair enough. Whether it's family or, or your partner or, or whatever, at the end of the day, you've ultimately got to make that decision of what you do next yourself and take yeah. responsibility yourself. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that all starts for me on Monday. So that's um, it's weird to say I'm looking forward to it, but I am. So um, I just want to get oh, it started. That's a good attitude, though. Kind of look forward yeah. to it. Get on with it. You kind of like, look, it's got to happen. So let's do it. Yeah, look forward to it, and then. You know, be one of those people that have some success with it. That's what I'm yeah, looking forward to as a Monday. Okay, yeah. awesome, good. So you're feeling good about that. How how have you been feeling though? Like in terms of health wise, are you? I saw that photo of you guys last night at the football, and you looked look great. You looked like, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, yeah. as I looked at it. And I thought, I wonder how he's feeling. But he, you know, you look well. I just had Botox and. <laughs> No, <laughs> I was going to say, I thought, I did also think, oh, did they both go get fillers done? And maybe he's like, <laughs> you know me, um, there's not a chance I would waste a dollar. Um, I've been feeling really good, to be honest. I've been feeling really good physically, mentally, all of that sort of stuff, all the key areas. I've been feeling really good. Oh, I guess, the, you know, the only area I've sort of struggled in over the last couple of weeks is in the space of my dad who yeah that's just uh, that's that's a whole conversation we need to have because it's yeah it's he's remar- remarkably um he's going through the same process as me he's been diagnosed with a tumor that's very similar to mine and located in a very similar space it's just it's a bit higher up so it's on the sort of the outer of the brain so it's more accessible so he's had surgery in the last week and a half to remove quite a portion of that but yeah, now he's got that little mountain to climb and I've sort of found myself in that position of helping my dad through this space because it is an overwhelming, it can be a really overwhelming thing if you allow it to be. And, and for dad, it's been a real challenge in this last week and a half, like a real, real challenge for him. And it's, oh, in a way, I kind of feel like, well, oh, this sounds weird. I kind of feel lucky I've gone through the process myself so I can help him properly in that space. So for context for people, Two years ago, just over two years ago, we began this process, this path for yourself, you know, this health challenge arose and and we have been going through it ever since and this is where we find ourselves today. Go back, what, three weeks and what happened? Dad effectively had a seizure at home. Uh, He was meant to be going out to dinner with his partner. She came around, knocked on the door. Dad wasn't answering. He eventually answered the door but was pretty rattled and, and she could clearly see that he was not coping and and this takes a lot for my dad to acknowledge these things 
Um, my dad said, I, I, I don't feel good. There's something not right with me. I really don't feel good. And I think I might need to go to hospital. Julie had worked out, I guess, sort of, you know, what had happened. And she thought, yeah, maybe I better. So she, she called an ambulance. And the in- initial response ambulance, so, you know, the small, just the vehicle ambulances where you get somebody coming, paramedic, have a quick look. The paramedic got there and then made the call that, no, you need to be rushed to emergency. And then I got the phone call from Julie and she explained what had happened. And they said, oh, look, at you know, think it might be a stroke. And I just don't know why, but in the back of my mind, I thought, sounds all too familiar, the seizure mm. and, and all of the other elements post that. But obviously I was hoping, <laughs> sounds terrible, I was hoping for a stroke. <laughs> I was hoping that it was a stroke <laughs> mm. um, and it was something he'd recover from really quickly. Um, but then the longer he was in there and the more sort of, you know, you hear from the doctors and you start to pick up and you're like, okay, I know where this is heading. And I had to start to think back to where I was when I was being told this information and I was playing it pretty cool and thought, I'd, you know, oh, this is okay, it's not going to be anything enormous. But deep down, you know, I think Dad was in that space as well and then they pretty quickly, once he was in emergency and then went to critical care and then spent a couple of days in hospital and and they mapped out a plan and said this is what you've got and we're going to perform surgery immediately so he went home for about five days and then went in for surgery he's just been released today so he's back home thank goodness and in his own space but so i've spent a bit of time sort of trying to find my way up there sort of every second day to see him and to speak with him on the phone each day. And it's probably been the most challenging part of my whole experience, including myself, is listening to your father be in a place of just such vulnerability and scared. And that, I can honestly say, that broke my heart a little bit to hear him and to see him like that. Mm. You know, from a young kid, I don't know if all kids look at their dads like this, but, you know, Mm. I always looked at my dad from a young kid and thought... He's the best, strongest <laughs> man that I know. And I always felt incredibly safe around him. I learned so many things off my dad when I was younger. You know, and I lived with dad after mum and dad separated when I was young. And so I had a lot of my experiences as a young man, I guess, with my dad. Mm. And so that was a lot. For me, that was a lot not to be selfish and be sad in that space and be there for him and help him manage his way through this space. And look, we've done a good job of it over the last couple of weeks. He's actually, he's been pretty good. He's acknowledged what's occurring and he understands what's happening and he knows that there needs to be a plan in place and it's not just a simple thing. You know, it means there's no more beer, there's no more wine. Um, (laughs) You know, eating changes, consumption of water increases, all of those little bits and pieces and what it is to manage your mental health. Because until you're faced with something like this, you don't really know what it's like or how you're going to respond. Mm. And from that sense, it's been a pretty big couple of weeks. When I first found out about it, I couldn't comprehend it. I think that was the storyline. I couldn't comprehend the storyline. Like it was a pivot in the storyline that I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, how is that even possible? You know, like, it, I don't know. I think even in that, it just, you can't wrap your own head around it as someone who's on the sidelines watching and going, fuck. And not like what, you know, like another person's about to go through this. Like it just, um, so I couldn't imagine then what it must feel like for yourself. So I kind of listening to you now, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, there's a couple of things running through my head. One is, you know, you said he's, he's doing okay. So he is, he's doing okay now in terms of how he feels or, or from a health perspective. He'll have his moments, definitely still has them. 
Uh, absolutely, and he will. You know, managing your way through that. Yeah. Uh, it's not a snap of the fingers. It's not a forced process, but it's one you've got to every day. You've got to hold yourself accountable to the process to become better. But from a health perspective, place. after the surgery, is he doing okay? Yeah, he's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, he's responsive, and you know they always give you. Look, you might not speak that well. Your vision could be poor. Mm. Um, your mobility might struggle. It's the opposite side of wherever your tumour is that is affected in terms of... It's on the left-hand side of your brain. It's your right leg, your right arm that can be severely affected, etc. Mm. So mm. it's all of those things that, you know, you get told. And as soon as he came out of surgery, he was speaking. He was coherent, mm. which is a big one. He's had a little bit of problems with his mobility, but, you know, he's 73. I guess the the response time to getting better is there's a little more weight and pressure in that space, I suppose. Mm. But so, I've been really proud of him so far with his attitude for dad, yeah. who is a, an old school, you know, I think he said to me the other day, oh, I've just got to toughen up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I agree with you. However, probably not in the version of toughen up that he sees and understands. Yeah. How does Lee today respond to this better or different to how Lee two years ago would have responded to it had you not gone through this? What are the differences that you see in yourself in terms of the way in which you can respond? That's probably the main one, to be honest. I've sort of sharpened some of those skills, I guess, in terms of managing yourself and your wellness and so forth over the last couple of years. But a bit like you, they've always been present with me, I suppose. So it's not like I've been defunct in those areas. I've had them there, but I've had to really embrace them a little bit more and learn how to probably... Language has been the big one for me that I've, I've learned, that there's certain language that you can use and people can interpret wrong. Okay. Um, what do you mean by that? Can you explain? Oh, so, for example, Dad, over the last couple of weeks, I'm not a psychologist, so please no one hold me to account on this, but... Well, thankfully, it's not a psychologist podcast. It is just your yes, <laughs> just podcast mine. to hear your thoughts and opinions on this. So tell us. Um, I speak to a psychologist every two weeks. I'm really lucky to have that privilege. And I said, look, my dad's really struggling at the moment with what he labels anxiety and depression and i said and i look i'm will never dismiss depression because it's legitimate it's real and so is anxiety and you know they're not nice things but i know with depression that there's a time there's a a number of checkpoints you i guess got to go through before you are clinically diagnosed with depression so in my head, I was like, I'm not pretty sure that doesn't have depression. How do you frame it? Because anxiety sounds so almost aggressive. Just saying the word anxiety puts someone with anxiety <laughs> probably into an even deeper mm. space. So in this case, she said, look, she would label it an adjustment disorder. So it's literally, you've had this enormous event in your life and you are now struggling with the adjustment. And it's then finding out how do I adjust to my new, new. That's a nice way of looking at it. So I guess where we are right now, we've got, so dad's back home in recovery mode and what happens from here for him? Is he going to continue taking, like, is there more kind of more to come? Oh, there always is, I guess, until it's no longer there or it's no longer able to be helped, but he'll go through, you know, the same process. He'll go through radiotherapy. He'll go through his form of treatment and then it will just be monitored from there to see what happens with it. Uh, And it gets to a point where it's holding long enough, then, you know, quite often you'll come off that chemo because they don't want to leave you on this stuff forever. They just want to action this stuff when it needs to be actioned. For dad, yeah, moving forward, there'll be more that he has to do outside of 
the doctors than he will at the doctors, if that makes sense. So it'll be a lot around getting that mental headspace in the right space and always moving forward and accepting and adopting those changes in, in life of, I've got, to, I've got to be a lot more aware and healthy with my brain and my body from here on in. It's an easy thing to say. It's not an easy thing to do, you know, with the way that most people in Australia live their life. <laughs> um, and that's one full of great food and great wine and great beers and and all of that sort of stuff. And when some of those things are taken away from you, yeah, that can be quite can, confronting. So that's what he's got a, a ahead of him. Not far removed from what I've had to do, but I'm just glad that I can help him in that space. Yeah, okay, that's good. And then for yourself, you think from, so from Monday you're in the hospital kicking off this next lot of treatment. Yep, so start on Monday and back on Tuesday. Then we have a couple of days break and we're back again for another checkup. And it's sort of... It'll happen over two to three weeks where I've got to go in, you know, the first week I'm in there three, four times. Mm -hmm. Um, Second week I'm, and this is purely just to go in and check blood pressure, heart, all of those bits and pieces. And then that drops off as you go. Mm -hmm. And then it's just the treatment side of things. And then your MRIs and looking at how that's tracking and so forth. So process doesn't really change from the last process, really. It's just that there are more segments to it early on laura's had to take a little bit of time off work to drive me out to flinders yeah that's what i've got ahead in the next couple of weeks but like i said in a weird way demented way i'm i'm looking forward to getting it started and making a change in that space that's great and so i guess the only other thing i can think of that people might be considering is like in terms of the fact that you had it and then obviously your dad had it and just for the sake of clarity for anyone listening in and thinking how does this all work so you know Lee and I are obviously brothers but we have the same mum but you and Jay were from mum's first marriage which was with Brian and Brian is who we're talking about here and uh, and then my sister and I from the second marriage so anyway we don't ever think of these kind of details in it but for the purposes of the question I'm about to pose which is really around I guess is there any kind of like genetic connection here like I know that there was conversation around does Jay need to go and get some testing done like what else have you found out around that we don't have to go too far into it but I guess just in terms of of that space has there been anything you've kind of learned yeah and I I won't give you the numbers because Laura's got them and I don't there is a particular gene like a single gene where if you've got that gene then it can become a hereditary thing but it's so finite this gene to have it it's so tiny um, like the numbers are ridiculous mm. um, you know like it's one in umpteen million that could have this gene and and there are other people out there in the similar situation to dad and I where fam- people in the family have had it but there's no gene connection uh, there so I'll go through that process at some stage soon when it's just a simple blood test and then they determine whether or not that gene's located within me um, okay if it is, then, you know, that's something that my brother would have to go and do and go from there. So, you know, fingers crossed, based on the numbers, geez, I'd be rough with everything that's gone on to to have that. Cross my fingers, my toes, every other part of my body, and I hope that's not the case because um, you don't wish this stuff upon anyone and to mm. pass it on to anyone. So, mm. yeah, so that's the next process for us as part of the journey. A wild ride. It has been like one one heck of an update, I guess. But good to see that you're doing well. And uh, Monday, new start on something different, and hopefully that's going to get us some uh, some good results as well. And and I think you know we're all kind of you know everyone will be thinking of 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 Brian and and you know sending him you know lots of 
lots of thoughts and prayers and love and good energy to kind of say hopefully he can uh, you know find his way through this the same way that, that you have been as well. Dad's got a lot of strength in areas that he probably doesn't acknowledge to a lot of people because he is an old school Aussie man, but he's very gentle in a lot of ways. And I'm pretty confident, yeah, he's got the he's got the skill set to work through this and get the best the best outcome for himself, and then hopefully you know the best outcome for us. Mm. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see it over the next few weeks. I think Dad might come on here at some stage, which. Could be hilarious. Uh, dad's yeah, not, that's a great um, idea. Dad's not a natural speaker, so um, <laughs> and I'll probably have to um, skill him up on words that can and cannot be used. <laughs> that's why we have um, the wonderful editing skills of Podshape to be able to take care of. Yeah, well, there may be a fair bit of editing the day that Dad comes on because um, he's never done anything like this before, but I thought it might be an interesting thing to sort of go through, the process to go through, so yeah. That'd be a great idea. Fantastic. Fantastic.